0: Alright, Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9 this morning, we're going to pick it up in verse 57, we're just going to read 57 to 62, and we're going to look at a little subject this morning that is applicable to life right now, we're coming down, we're winding down almost to the end of 2023, uh, there's so many people, myself included. I got saved in 1973, 50 years ago last month. So many of us really were taught and learned. I didn't come up, you know, around God and the Bible. But once I got saved and they started talking to us about the next, one of the next main events is, of course, the rapture of the church, the taking away, calling away, the rapture of believers during from the church age. And everyone thought for sure that would be before now, before 2000, most of them. Many of them thought it would be before 1993, say, because you got the seven-year tribulation and et cetera, et cetera. And even one of the greatest Bible teachers of, of my lifetime who was alive, going to be with the Lord now, made a couple predictions that didn't come to pass. So here we are. We're about to start 2024. And it teaches us many things. It doesn't teach us that God is late. It doesn't teach us that we don't know our Bible. It doesn't teach us that, the, that things are convoluted or that we need to change our belief on when the raptures and the tribulation and all that kind of stuff and pre-wrath, all that kind of stuff. We don't need to change any of that. We just need to realize that several times in your Bible, when the Lord gave times, He used the word about. About. In other words... Uh, it's one thing to to have an appointment, say in business, and you say, I'll see you at 10 o'clock, 10 hundred hours. And it's another thing to say, I'll see you around 10, around. And now, we live in this digital age, you know, everybody looks down at, I love analog watches and clocks because it reminds me that life is far more about than it is exact, amen. Uh, they didn't have it down to the minute in Paul's day, Uh, They had it down to the hour and the half hour at the most with a sundial and all that. Now, I said all that to say this, that what I'm going to look at is really applicable to today. And it's going to be more applicable as we get closer and closer to the rapture of the church, to the end of the age, etc. So we're going to read the verses and then you'll see where it's going. You probably won't guess it at first, not because I'm trying to be tricky, but just because of the angle of it. Let's read in verse 57, and it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, now in the gospel of Luke, when you find this word certain, in your King James Bible, your English, certain means it was a, a real person, it's not, an, it's not a parable, it's not a mere illustration or story or allegory, it's a person. So a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And we know, of course, that the Lord Jesus Christ patted him on the back and thanked him and said, Disciples, let's give him an, a, a hand. Let's give applause. Well, no, that's not the case. You know, this world has become so messed up. And I mean, even Christians, okay? I was at a course the other day, a, a serious kind of course you take involving things like security and stuff. And they needed a volunteer. And there was one guy considerably younger than everyone else. So it was easier for him to get up and down. And the guy needed someone to lay on the floor uh, as if he'd been say injured or shot so he laid down and he showed how to approach him and stuff and then he said get back up when he got back up and went to walk away and these are all these are all you know professing Christians it was for church stuff uh, <laughs> they all, some of them started to applaud him for laying on the floor and getting up and going over there And and I know that sounds silly for me to bring it up, but it it just, it immediately hit me like that's what this age has become. Even the believers today. It's the the verse where he said, when you have done that, which was your duty to do, say we are unprofitable servants. We've done that, which was our duty to do. That thing doesn't even to them, they don't know it exists. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ didn't pat him on the back, didn't give him an award, a badge, a pin, a star. Here's what he said. Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. That's pretty powerful. He's saying, you come with me and you you have no idea what's going. Then he said, he said unto another, follow me. So this is someone the Lord says, follow me to. Okay. So the first guy appears to be a volunteer. He said, "Lord, I'll follow you." He says to this fellow, "Follow me," but he said, "Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father." Jesus said unto him, "Well, yeah, go ahead and take your leave. Let me know when you feel like coming back to what you ought to do." Well, that's not what he said. Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. You said that sounds so hard. Only if you Don't take the Lord Jesus Christ for who he is. We're going to come back to it. All right, verse 61. Another also said, so the first one's a volunteer, the second one's a volunteer, see? Uh, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. He wanted to have a going away party, perhaps. uh, A going away, a goodbye, uh, you know, an emotional thing, so to speak. Jesus said unto him, no man, that is not specific to the male of Adam's race. It's not gender specific. It can be no man, no woman, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back as fit for the kingdom of God. That thing, hand to the plow, that's very descriptive. I want to study this together, thinking about this idea of a hand to the plow, And the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not. The idea of service unto death. But I want to use a word that's really common. I don't know if you've ever been around communities that are big. I've been around communities uh, recently that are certain areas are what they call retirement communities. Uh, Different places around the world have different things. They have like the 55 and over and all that stuff. And retirement is big business right now, big business. Retirement is a, it's a multi-billion dollar business. And as the believer walks on in life, as you go on, as the Lord doesn't call us home yet or call us away in the rapture, so does time. So people doing their calling unto the end out in the world is actually frequent. Frequent. But it seems to be less frequent for the believer. And I'm not talking about someone in, quote, full-time service or a paid position. I'm talking about believers who are active. In other words, the world, there was a fellow who was a diplomat and and political thing. And at 100 years old, he went overseas to represent the U.S. I, I read of businesses and teachers and coaches and people like that that are are doing what they do, and they're not doing it for money. They've got themselves set financially. But they don't quit. They don't retire. They don't pull back. So retirement is big business. You know what? I, I thought about this the other day. Amongst Christians, wealth building is big business. There are people who are teaching it, and they're going to charge you for teaching it, and rightly so. Okay. When when the word retire in our English language is to retreat, retreat it's to withdraw that's how it's used in judges chapter 20 and second samuel 11 okay it's to go from the company of or a public place into privacy to retreat from action and danger retirement is being withdrawn a private way of life now hold it you say yeah but that's not me i'm traveling oh yeah yeah it's still if you, let's say you decide you're going to travel and you're going to take cruises or as some retirement communities, you know, they got every sport activity and every social activity you can think of. They have pulled back their hand from the plow. They have pulled back from this first person we're going to look at and the second and the third. Listen, your circle, when you, when most people, when they retire, their circle gets much smaller, their circle of focus and it centers on themselves and their own. And so when you practice an earthy retirement as a child of God, you must be careful. You see, people, for many people, it's what they work towards all their life. Nowadays, they they decide, what plan do you have for me? What, you know, different retirement plans? Is it a matching plan? Is it this? For many, it's why they made certain choices they made. Well, so they could have their circle be their circle. For a believer, for a child of God, heaven is your retirement. As a child of God, heaven—that the end of this life, the after—that's my retirement. I'm going to use three little phrases here as we look at this passage, and I hope you'll listen to the end of it because it is so important. I have observed this. I've watched it. Uh, I've had to give consideration of it myself. The first one is in verse 57 and 58. Let's look at this person. Certain man said to him, Lord, I will follow thee with us where thou goest. Jesus said, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. I'm going to call this All In. All In. The missionary motto was, Where you lead me, I will follow. What you feed me, I will swallow. Uh, he said, The Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. I, I, I In my line of work as a Christian the calling Uh there have been many many a time I rolled up a coat or a, a blanket or even especially my backpack and that was my pillow and that was my resting point for the night and you tried to get as much of a get as much of a rest in as you possibly could well there was nothing horrible about that or wrong about it nothing that was you know <laughs> stressful well it was stressful I remember one night we were laying in a hut and uh, they had these woven mats made out of uh, different stuff that they get from those bushes and you could just see going across about ten foot from our feet was this huge hump moving across, probably eight foot long, or just a big old python. It wasn't going to eat us or nothing. It was going hunting it was and I'm glad he was hunting because it kept the rats from running over top of us. I remember one time staying in a shearing shed in in the outback, and the fellow warned me that there was the resident uh, python, carpet snake they call them, and they let them be there because there also would have been the resident rodents. And uh, middle of the night, one of the young fellows that was with me, <laughs> it was kind of funny. Well, he asked he asked to. Uh, borrow my flashlight that night and i thought okay fine because it was dark as as could be in there dark as a dungeon and the mistake i made was i didn't realize that he'd be able to flash it up there and see that big old carpet snake wrapped around the rafters above us and then i don't think he got much sleep that night and he made sure i didn't get much kept shining it and flashing it but i was more concerned i had a backpack over there in the corner and i could hear something trying to rummage around and it wasn't a person Listen, when they followed the Lord Jesus Christ, would you let this sink in? He meant what he said. Fox have holes, birds have ever had nests. Son of man hath not where to lay his head. He said, well, that's ridiculous. That's a shame. I didn't. I don't think it's a shame. I, one of the things that drew me to the Lord Jesus Christ, after I was saved and everything, but drew me to him and Paul and the apostles was the fact that they were all in. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ was such so little of an owner that he, they put him in a borrowed tomb. And borrowed digs. Now, did I say live careless? No. Did I say don't ever have you a a house or a place to live or rent? No. But I'll say this. And is it all about wanderlust? You know, just wander, wander, wander. and, And, you know, backpack around the world? No, it's not. But if it's not difficult, some part of your life. Inconvenient, some part of your life. A hardship, some part of your life. You might get to heaven and just be be empty, your account empty. Zero. Because every time you find him talking about rewards in the New Testament and in the epistles, it has to do with suffering or it has to do with enduring hardship, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Because that's what the Lord looks for is all in. Now, this is going somewhere in the passage, and I didn't write the passage the passage is very logical. So, all in. Are you all in? Let's say you have been and you are. Okay. Verses 59 and 60. He said to one, Follow me. And he said, Let me suffer me first to go bury my father. And he said, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. All out. I'm all out for God. The old timers would say, O and O, out and out for God. In other words, one main focus. This is not somebody who gets called to preach by the way and called to pastor and called to missionary and called to, uh, I get so weary of fellows that if they weren't traveling or being called or being paid, you know, or have a position, you wouldn't find them in their Bible. Because most of them are in their Bible trying to find the next outline. Most of them are listening to stuff, trying to steal their next thought. And It used to be that all that was the result of being all out for God. Listen, many a missionary missed a family, even their own father, as he says here, funeral, because they were on a mission field. You say, well, is it wicked and wrong to fly back? I didn't say that. That's entirely up to the missionary. I will say this, however. I will say that you should not expect them to come back you should not require of them to come back. See, if we're not careful, what happens is as one old timer wrote, he said, we put sensitive loyalty in place of loyalty to Christ. In other words, living by our senses. Jesus says, What's are you interested in, the living or the dead? I remember the old old missionary, Brother Ted, missionary in New Guinea for years and years and years had to say to a family member, we've, we're have we not worried about what will happen to us when we get there. We've already attended our own funerals. In other words, we've already, as Oswald Chambers calls it, the white funeral. We've already st- stuck a peg in the ground and said, this is it. This is where we're going to spend our life for God, whatever the geographical place. Listen, we cannot, you cannot, it's not possible to please society, and God Almighty all the time. In fact, many times it's just not possible. We don't set out to displease Listen, there are some people that they just don't like showing compassion. They just don't like it. Well, they use the Bible as an excuse. But that's not us. That's not who we are as believers. But you go back to the beginning. You think about Noah. You think he wasn't the outcast of all outcasts while him and his boys building that boat and he's telling them what's going to happen. You take Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, you take Joseph all the way through and you go back to the beginning, Abel himself Abel himself had to face this and be all out for God even though it cost him his life all out so maybe as the first person you've been all in and you've been all out for God and it's cost you and stuff well in verse 61 the other said Let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. This is all behind, all behind, all in, all out, all behind. The hymn says, the chorus says, the world behind me, the cross before me. Now, you can only plow. Looking straight ahead. Now I've never plowed with oxen or mules, but I've done some plowing and been on that old. Uh, when we did it a few times, one of the one of the implements we had was a one of the machinery we had was an old Massey Ferguson, and the smokestack had been broken off. <clears throat> and so when you would plow into the wind, the exhaust would blow in your face. By the end of a day, my face would be just red as could be. I was just an early teenager at the time. <clears throat> My face would be all red and from that exhaust hitting you. When you turned the other way, it went the other way. Now, in the wintertime, when you're using the old Massey Ferguson, it was great to go into the wind because it, it would be, you know, zero Celsius, freezing or below Fahrenheit, and it'd be cold on that tractor. And when you went into the wind, the warm exhaust would hit you. You wouldn't even care that it smelled like exhaust. But one thing I know, it's difficult enough to plow straight when you're looking straight ahead at an object. We didn't have, you know, the computerized stuff. I don't know if you ever look at these little snippets they have nowadays, but some of these tractors are amazing. I was uh, at a place, this is probably five or six, maybe ten years ago or more, um, and the fellow, they had professional farm. That's what they did. That was their living, but their, implement- their tractors were amazing. They're huge. You got inside, those computers, basically. They would line that thing up. You could point it and it would pile. Well, you couldn't do that back when I was doing it. You better focus what you're doing. And if you got the at least little bit distracted, you had little waves in that thing. And then come harvest time or, or when it started growing up, you'd see it. But you surely couldn't turn your head over and see where you've been and see. So no man having put his hand to the plow, And looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. You say, what does this thing, what does fit mean? It means to be suitable, to be qualified. Is it talking about getting to heaven? No, no, not at all. It means you don't fit in with those who are, for example. Listen, an old timer said this, the Lord's words hurt until there's nothing left to hurt. Okay? And that's... That's how it's supposed to be. That's what's called death to self. Chambers, uh, this time of the month, this is December 12th, last couple days, has thing's been on individuality and personality. In other words, God breaking the husk of who we are that protects us when we're young and without Christ or growing up without Christ. But then he breaks that hole off there so that we can die to self and Christ can live through us. One of the places I worked several years in that little in that town there was a mcdonald's there and on on the mornings almost every morning not as many on sunday but pretty close but every morning you would see a group of fellows in there and sometimes there'd be maybe a wife or two with them and they were older fellows most of them were vietnam veterans i have the greatest respect for anyone who's borne that burden of combat but the sad part to me was that's all they talked about they were looking Over their shoulder. Now, you know what the temptation is to do during retirement is to slow down. Now, now hear me out. Everybody has to slow down a little bit as time goes on. But I've learned this. I can prove this to you. You, you are, you are going to decay to the degree to which you slow down. That is the absolute, that's an absolute fact. And the temptation is to withdraw and your circle gets smaller. Smaller your circle of responsibility, uh, your circle of effort, your circle of care. That's the danger. Retirement can be where you make your circle bigger because you don't have to work as many hours. Uh, You don't have to do as much to put a a crust on the table as they say. So we need to keep our hand to the plow to the end. We need to be tired for God. I know a fellow that uh, he has a, an adult Bible class. He puts a great amount of effort into it. And over the last few years, his body's began to develop tremors and onset of Parkinson's and stuff. And he has to make a choice every week. He used to, he lives in a community where if he wanted to, he could play golf every day. And he loves playing golf and was a good golfer at some time. But now he's in his early 70s and he has to make a choice many, many weeks. Most weeks he has to make a choice. Do I spend my time on and my effort on my lesson and on being able to, and, and even when he has to sit on a stool, it's still a great effort for him to get there and teach that class for an hour. Do I do that or do I do what I feel like doing, what makes me feel good about myself? He has to choose to prepare and teach and leave the other go if that's what it takes. So my thought is that don't take your hand off the plow by virtue of looking back. Do you know what people do when they retire and get older? They spend most of their time talking about the past. Okay? Do you remember this thing and you remember that thing? Now, there, in itself, there's nothing wrong with it, but the past is not where we're supposed to be living as children of God. Chambers says our, our goal out in front of us is the cross that already happened. But we don't look over our shoulder at the cross. We look at with it out in front of us. When the cross is out in front of us, we're all in wherever our path takes us, wherever God's said, where he leads us, we will follow what he feeds us. We will swallow. You don't have to be called to, to be some supported missionary to have that attitude. And it might be in your life right now. Somebody God's working on things. i I got an email the other day from someone that the Lord's working on their heart about that. All in. How about all out? All out is I'm gonna to have to let the dead bury the dead. It it may mean I can't always be socially acceptable, socially compliant. It may mean God listen, when God won't let someone spend five or six or eight or ten thousand dollars to to come off the field to attend a funeral. When he won't let them, you should not judge them. You should support them and encourage them because Jesus Christ said it. This is not some allegory that you need to go back to your so-called original languages and find this root word and that word. He meant what he said. Let the dead bury their dead. Let the lost bury their lost. But go and preach the kingdom of God. You say, well, it's possible to come back now. It is. But you still have to say, Lord, do you want me to spend your money this way? It is his money, by the way. If if I have it in my hands, it's his, and I'm a steward. So we need to be thinking in terms of people who are facing forward all the way to the end. Semper Fi, the Marines' motto, Semper Fi, semper Semper Fidelis, it's always faithful. Semper Paratus. U.S. Coast Guard model is always prepared, always ready. Semper Anticus, the army, is always forward. Always forward. So I would really encourage you, whatever age you are, and whatever your capacity, see, whatever you're able to do, some people will reach a point in finances where they could retire, that is, withdraw, pull back, Change their circle. They could do that when they're forty-five or fifty. You might be fifty-five or sixty or seventy. By the way, if you're in your teens and twenties and thirties, your life, when you begin to have children, your time may change, but you're all in and you're all out and you're all behind should not change. One fellas one past one preacher said about this man who put his uh About these fellows, he said they were fiercely ready, but they never go. Let the dead bury their dead, Jesus said to him. But go, thou, and preach the kingdom of God. All in. I hope you're all in. All out. All behind. Now listen, if you've eased up a little bit, because you absolutely have to, I get that. I get that. I'm one of those guys that tries to push his body. I admit that. I'm no great... Athlete or nothing like that. No gym rat. But I don't want to lose the capacity to serve him because I eased up and gave into it. Why? Because he could come today, right now, today. He could call me home today. Heart could stop, boom. Same with you. Let us be all in, all out, and have it all behind us While we go forward to the moment we see him.